0: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome into another edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb. I will be joined later in this show by Michael Pina, but this intro is serving as a bit of a disclaimer for this episode, which was recorded on Tuesday evening before the news surfaced that Al Horford had informed the Celtics that he did not plan on returning next season and would be pursuing a long-term deal with an outside suitor um, in the NBA. So that is the backdrop to this episode. We uh, approached this episode when that was not clear, yet a lot of the stuff we did discuss during this episode is very relevant in terms of where Horford might go, what the Celtics might do if he does leave, and then we obviously spend the latter half of the episode talking about trade possibilities for the draft and potential trade targets, which are more relevant than ever. But we, after recording this, it's the magic of the NBA news cycle. You never know when something is going to become quickly irrelevant. Uh, perhaps you can listen with a, a thought of what could have been without hope from the Celtics. We will have a full podcast, podcast reacting to the news and the NBA draft on Friday, since the Celtics obviously have... Plenty of things in play, but short-term thoughts in the interim, uh, this is not good news for the Celtics. This is uh, pretty close to as rough a 12-month period as you can have for a franchise um, in terms of going from the highest of highs to uh, not starting from scratch entirely, but not having a clear next step to get back. So Horford's departure does uh, leave the Celtics with, um, even more options than ever heading into draft night. They, can, they have the ability to open up close to max cap space if they want to A, absorb a contract uh, for additional abset- assets or just absorb a contract to get a look at a guy while giving up picks for him without having to match there. They also could head into free agency um, again with up to $28 million in cap room and could try to target some younger uh, emerging talent on the market and we will have plenty of time to talk about those potential targets in the next couple of weeks as well. But that is the backdrop for this episode. Um, we hope you do enjoy it anyway. Um, and we will be back again with you next, later this week, I should say with more fallout with the, the full squad, but without further ado, here is uh, Mike and myself as of roughly 6 p.m. on Tuesday night. I am Brian Robb, joined by Michael Pina as we get closer to full strength here. Unfortunately, Rich Levine is still out scouting ahead of the 2019 NBA draft, so he will be reporting um, on the road from that later this week. Um, But in the meantime, uh, we are recording this on a late Tuesday, and it's been a very busy week for the Celtics already. Kept off by today's news that Al Horford has opted out of his $30 million player option, um, which we will be getting into at the start of this episode, and we will also be getting into rumors that the Celtics are exploring moving up to number four, as well as potential possibilities for them um, in the 14 to 22 range if they end up keeping some of those picks. So before we get into that, please... Uh, subscribe to the winning place podcast uh you can give us a five-star rating or review on itunes as well uh that is much appreciated but you know mike i i'm even having a chance to talk to you about the ad trade um so do you want to even start there do you want to skip over that Uh,
1: Yeah, the episode you did with Ryan on Sunday night, I think, was really good and informative. I mean, my thoughts about it are that they paid – I think my thoughts are what everybody else's are that they paid a ton, but they had to do it, I I guess. Um, And that – yeah, the Lakers were super desperate, and it's a bummer that – that the Cel- I've, I've been seeing and reading and hearing different things about the Celtics and what they were able or willing to put into the deal. I saw somewhere that they were willing to put in Tatum, but not in the same offer that also had the Memphis pick. And I think either way, honestly, with what the Lakers gave, I don't know if the Celtics could have, I guess they technically could have beaten it because they could have just forfeited their whole future. But, right. but I mean, it was just, it was an astronomical cost there for, for the Lakers and uh, hats off to David Griffin and the Pelicans for owning their future.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, given the situation with the Celtics, obviously taking a lot off the table, it seems like in the wake of Kyrie's uh, assumed departure, the Pelicans did as well as they could here. They got, you know, all the picks they would have gotten at the traded line and then obviously got the number four overall pick while leaving behind, you know, Kyle Kuzma. So again, I'm with you on that. Like it's the situation was, you know, the Lakers were going to come to the table with that. The Celtics were not going to be able to, they were, they can talk about taking a risk all they want, but there's a difference between risks and being reckless. And that would clearly would have been reckless, which kind of leads us to what happened today uh, indirectly when Al Horford, um, opted out of his player option for $30 million, which was not a big surprise, um, given the fact that...
1: No, we've been talking about it all year. Yeah,
0: that the, the smart money has always been on longer-term extension um, between both sides, which um, there is interest in um, as we head into the NBA draft. But it does leave things in a little bit of uncertainty F- from my perspective. I don't know what you think about this, Mike, just in the sense that this team could look like anything next year. And there's no doubt that the Celtics want to come back, and I'm not sure there's the right suitor out there to entice Horford to leave. But at the same time, with Anthony Davis off the table and Kyrie Irving walking out the door, um, a lot of things could change about this team's future on draft night, and I'm curious to see how that all factors into what happens next to foul.
1: Yeah, I think the, the first thing we should discuss is... What other suitors are there for Al Horford? I mean the uh, his max number is probably he's I, I would highly doubt he's going to get that. The max number, I think, for him is thirty eight million. Starting yeah at. that's a that's a safe guess. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I don't think, and I don't think he assumes it will. Um, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, the suitors are. Like, you have the ones that we've talked about throughout the season, potentially, where, you know, the Lakers were one that I, I kept bringing up, and I don't necessarily see, I like, look, they, we don't exactly know how much cap space they have, but if they spent all of it on Al Horford, and then had to fill out a team with Kuzma, LeBron, AD, and Horford, plus, like, total scrubs, I, I think that would still be a really good team, but it's just not smart team building i think you would probably want to spend money a little bit more on um i don't know like versatile wings who can shoot threes and who are not 33 years old that's probably how they should spend it so i, I, would, right. I would almost cross out the lakers here i mean brooklyn is interesting because or they were interesting fall. he's gonna fall right Curry. that's yeah, not happening they, exactly. I, I don't think
0: that's but the clippers though mike the clippers that's the one it, that's that's like Kawhi signs there and they can pretty easily open up a second spot by moving Galo um, for Al. Whether the Clippers would want to do that, or could they obviously may have their sets sight you know sight set on someone a little younger to, to pair up with Kawhi, maybe do a little bit better than Al. Um, but I do think that is a legit like uh, worry.
1: The. I mean, it's really interesting because so much has changed over the past four days. Where you know the landscape of the league is completely leveled. So if Horford thinks that the Clippers can win it all, if Kawhi goes there, which if he goes there too, I, I don't see why they couldn't win it all. Like there's there's going to be so many contenders next season, and uh, you know I don't know how they would build out around them, but I think they have some really interesting pieces there with, you know, Harrell and they would probably lose Pat Beverly, but they'd still have, you know, Shea Gilgis and Lou Williams. And I mean, that would be a really interesting team. Shamit. Shamit, of course. Yep. Uh, So that would be a really interesting team. Um, I mean, are there any other like realistic suitors besides the Clippers here? I mean, I'm looking, you know, at who is going to who's projected to have money this summer and like the one team that kind of pops up to me out of nowhere is i mean i guess utah could be interesting yeah
0: that's the one i kind of think about in terms of like but does he because they can wave favors obviously and they're not bringing back rubio but Conley, they seem like they're going to get Conley, and I think it's going to be tough for them to take Conley on and still have the money for Al. Mm. Um, and I would guess Conley is a better fit for them than Al um, in terms of what they need.
1: I mean, what number – I agree with that. What number do you think the uh, – do you think Al is going to – like, what number would blow him away? Like, he's opting out of 30.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think something north of $25 million for, you know – three plus years would would that's like when a 375 375 from a team that could really contend yeah contend i think would be like all right now we're now we're in business because and i do think this is you know his agent uh jeffrey schwartz is pretty pretty great position here i feel like because on the one hand the celtics you know they obviously want him back and horford i don't think wants to leave necessarily but given the fact that a lot of these guys on the open market, top flight guys could stay put, you know, if Kwai stays, if Durant and Clay stay, if Jimmy and Tobias both stay put, then you're going to have a ton of teams with a lot of money to spend and not a lot of good names left to spend it on. And that's when like, things like can get really, <laughs> exactly like the Knicks, like the Knicks. I could see the Knicks freaking. they could be like, all right, we might have to put in next summer. Maybe we'll offer Al, like, one in, like, 35 or something like that just to, like, so we have, you know, a placeholder for him. I, that doesn't make a ton of sense unless they do it with someone else or if Durant's going there anyway. But, like, they're going to have money to spend, and they're the Knicks. So you can never put anything past them. But the, the but the bottom line is for the Celtics is that even if Hal doesn't want to go anywhere else, he's going to be able to leverage that in terms of getting a better deal from the Celtics, I feel like.
1: Right, because, uh, like, he has bird rights, and they can technically pay him up to his max. So, but you would assume that, I mean, opting out of the, I guess the Woj report was that he opted out of the 30 with the intention of reworking a long-term deal with the Celtics. Yeah, there's interest on both sides, which, again, like, makes which is completely believable, and a good message to send. I mean, what is your what are your, what's your gut telling you right now with this? I mean, do you think they, they work out a three for sixty type of deal, maybe a little north of that? Uh, like, do the Celtics? Do you think the Celtics have are locked and committed to to bringing him back, or are they are like I'm not saying moved on, but are they already envisioning a future where they do not have Al Horford, and, and maybe they're looking to just completely invo- go pivot towards a youth movement?
0: the um i do think they want to keep that window open for a youth movement which might be part of this like maybe part of the reason why again that they didn't want to commit to anything to the deal that Horford probably wanted this day at this point because mm-hmm. there is a possibility that i mean we'll get to this rumor later in the podcast but obviously they were poking around up at the top of the draft uh to move up to number 4 potentially um So, it's going to be a situation where you do you look around and say, if you give up Horford, you could also have cap room up to potentially 25, 30 million if you also decide you want to move on from Rosier and Marcus Morris as well? And do you want to go down that road and sign a player or two that are on the same timeline as Jalen and Tatum? Like, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. But maybe that's an option they want to explore, just to have based on what they can do on draft night. So my guess is they would lean heavily towards keeping him, but they weren't like both sides were wanted to keep their options open here um, as the next couple weeks progress.
1: Yeah, um, I don't see the cap space thing happening. To, to I don't those. either.
0: I mean that there's there's no one who makes sense no. to go after anyway.
1: And I, I also don't think the timing is right for them to take a, a big step back. Like, crazier things have happened. If Kawhi Leonard goes west, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that the Celtics are going to be a juggernaut. I'm saying that it would not be the craziest outcome in the world if Gordon Hayward looked like an all-star, Jason Tatum made a leap, Jalen Brown improved, uh, Horford was able to kind of stiff-arm father time, and they made it to the conference finals. Like that's not a totally insane thing to to consider. Am I am I off my rocker here? No,
0: not at all. I don't think. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, my if I were them, I would be pretty committed to bringing him back. I just think he's symbolically, let alone what he does on the floor, is just such an important part of who they are. It would be kind of just optically disastrous if you were to lose Kyrie, lose Horford. I mean, it it just kind of. It looks you, terrible. It it optically it <laughs> is a nightmare. Um and it I mean it doesn't send great signals. All of a sudden I mean you're eventually going to have to play the free agency game. Right? right? Like and it just I I just I think it just would just be perception wise just really gruesome. Um and so I mean I I think that Orford does come back at a at a reasonable number even though he can squeeze the Celtics here, um, but it's not like they can go out and replace him in free agency with, with cap space this summer. And then next year, there's not a lot of great players hitting the market, especially if Anthony Davis is not in that, in that group, uh, not that he would sign with the Celtics anyway. Um, so it's not like you're gonna like have a ton of money to spend on a lot of talent next summer either. Um, so I think, I think Corford is definitely a priority and a play here, and I guess we'll see what happens. So, what's
0: how interested are you? And in, in terms of like keeping Horford as well, I do think like to a degree the Celtics are going to have to do something, like on mm-hmm. draft night to maybe not like convince them outright, but you know, give them an additional like in case someone gets competitive and free agency with their offer, just so they can point to Horford and be like, hey, you know, make it make the Celtics look a little bit more appealing to to. Again, where everything goes right to to compete in the East next year. So, like, based on that, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is I feel like if the Celtics are going to make a move for obviously there's no like top tier stars available still, but there are a couple secondary names that they could make a name move for. It would have to happen, essentially at the draft because that's when the picks are going to have to be, you know, agreed upon. So. What are your thoughts about making a a move for a Bradley Beal or even like a Drew Holiday um, just as a a way to not to ensure your Horford's here, but to actually make a stab at going at things next year in the East?
1: So, I mean, I like Brad Beal. A lot. I don't think that that is a realistic. I, I think the asking price there is probably going to be astronomical. Um. I mean, what, they don't have a GM, uh, obviously. So they don't have a GM. Even is though a problem, they maybe Masai is the shadow GM today. Who I I, I don't know, but um, I think Brad Beal is. I don't. I, he's definitely not off the table, or shouldn't be for Washington although lord knows they're low-key just a not very um well-run organization maybe that's not even low-key uh so that kind of strikes me as not happening and then it seems to me that the pelicans publicly have really backed keeping drew holiday throughout this entire process i believe them because based on the haul that they just got you had you have holiday you have whatever maybe they can get for the fourth pick if they don't want to just use it. And then you have Zion. I mean, that team could make the playoffs next year. It wouldn't be absolutely insane. Um, No, not at
0: all. So there's no incentive for him to
1: get dealt. No. I have two names, though. Okay. My first name is Josh Richardson. And I think that the price there... like. Have it, This is kind of off the top of my head. I'm not sure exactly what the price would be there or if there would be a situation where the Heat would then, you know, try to latch on one of their other terrible contracts uh, onto you. Um, maybe someone like Ryan Anderson or something. But then it just gets into a situation where, the, I mean, the Celtics, that's kind of the, the difficulty with them doing trades in the first place is they don't have the salary. Um, but Josh Richardson... Uh, he's making 10 this year or next year, um, 11 the year after that. And then he has a player option that he'll almost definitely opt out of the following season. I mean, he's, he's a really good player. He's a little bit injury prone. He kind of just fits where the league is. He was the kind, he was like the, the prime blue chip asset that nearly went to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Jimmy Butler. Right. What do you, What are your thoughts about, about him?
0: Yeah. I mean, I like, him a lot the, again. The, the salary makes it easy for, to deal for him and mm-hmm. keep your other pieces. So, I guess what you'd have to hope for in that situation is that you deal him for like salary filler and a bunch of picks that the Heat need to get off their other contracts. <laughs> like, that I feel like that's the only way right. we'll kind of go for it there because I mean, I guess you could conceivably offer like. You know, Jalen for him, but I don't like what that does for you. That's a neutral. Uh, that's a neutral. A exactly. Yeah, I agree. So, like, you could, you know, patch together, you know, Bain salary with Yabu, and then maybe like the 14th? 14 for sure. Like, probably 14 and 20. I would think that, you know, Richardson would command that at the least. Um, from Miami's perspective, they're probably gonna be like, we want the Memphis pick," and you tell them to go screw. Um, <laughs> but I do think, yeah, like that is, that is a
1: creative way. I guess we'll see what the heat are trying to do here. Um, Seems to me like they're just gonna, I mean, they don't have a lot of options and you have Dragic chopped in, you have Whiteside who's reportedly going to opt in, not right. expected. Uh, I, I mean, if I were them, I would be just like taking my lumps. Uh, this upcoming season. And then I'll have cap space in 2021. And I mean, we'll see again. There's just not a lot of really talented players who are in that, in that uh, class, but who knows? I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with that, but that would be my, my line of thinking if I was Miami.
0: Yeah, it is like, cause the problem here for the Celtics, just with like the, the sense of urgency right now is that, there's a finite timeline for a lot of the their assets. Like Jalen Brown, after this, you know, summer, barring a huge breakout, mm-hmm. is his value is going to plummet, heading into a restricted free agency because you have to pay him. Right. And then again, the Memphis pick, that is going to plummet too. And then the fact obviously you use all these picks, and unless they have breakout years like these rookies, assuming you take them, then you you may be in a position in a year from now where you don't even have the pieces you need to deal for the next star that comes available. So it's almost like it's not entirely a use it or lose it situation for where they're at right now, but they're going to have to get creative in terms of either a getting aggressive for, you know, maybe giving up a little bit more for than they want for one of these guys that we've mentioned, or B creatively. Flipping these this year's picks for future picks, or just other creative ways to, to kind of keep the can down the road, but then that's a dangerous road too because does does that cost you Al Horford if you're like literally trading for future picks at the draft? And he's like, "What are we doing here, guys?"
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's what they're going to do. Right.
0: Which because for that reason,
1: right. Um, and I just think again even with everything that's happened like i losing kyrie and then also losing the possibility of anthony davis those are just really devastating things in terms of you know talent depletion if you will even though davis was never on the team he was someone who was fantasized about for like three or four years so you you kind of kissed those two goodbye and you kind of forget that this team still has just a ton of talent and basically all the pieces that are still around, like led them to the Eastern conference finals. And I, I know that the, the you know, the, the landscape is a little bit different in the East and it could, it will definitely change again uh, in the next, you know, two weeks, but I, I would not just, take steps backwards if I were the Celtics. And I think, you know, that's why I'm kind of, uh, you know, Richardson is really interesting because he's kind of a win now guy. Um, And I would not, I I would be fearful of losing Horford and kind of, I don't know, offending him with a move, I guess.
0: Yeah. Like, would you, so
1: Memphis pick
0: and Jalen for like, Drew Holiday, would you do that?
1: Um, I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would. I think Drew Holiday still has, like, I think he's all-star caliber. And imagining him next to Marcus Smart is just, that's the best back defensive backcourt easily in the NBA. Right. And you kind of, in a lot of ways, like, I don't know, like, Drew Holiday seems very no-nonsense, and it would just be, like, kind of the antithesis of... Kyrie right. and that whole experience and uh, he's, of he's under contract right. yeah
0: you got you got that control that you
1: crave um I have one more player that I'm just gonna throw out there to you and this guy makes a little bit more and I think kind of cobbling together enough salary would be tricky again and in, in, unless they added in a third team but Aaron Gordon
0: yeah I took a look at him the other day mm it's an interesting, like, where, I, I don't know to make heads or tails of him still. He's still 23. Like, so he's a baby. Right. Um, he's His contract is very fair, descending, in terms of its value. Um, but he could be someone who's overpaid in a couple years, or he could be one of the best deals in the league. And the, the jury's out on that, I feel like this based on his offensive skill set and like where how I mean, I think that's the biggest issue of him. His defense I think is pretty pretty strong for and his versatility is is great as is his, his athleticism, but like I don't know what he's worth. Like he I assume you're gonna have to give up I mean, to make a deal like that, you're probably gonna have to go up Jalen and the Memphis pick. You think you, both? I, get, I mean, I guess it depends on how high they are on him. Like, I would hesitate to do that because I'm not sure he's a difference maker for you. But maybe, I don't know, maybe Jalen and a couple of your picks this year could do it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He's he's. I, I go back and forth on him, too, as I'm sure every other person who watches the NBA does. I mean... He has moments that are really special. I think he brings it on defense consistently, but there's just... I don't know. I feel like a couple years back when Frank Vogel was the coach, he made a public statement kind of comparing Aaron Gordon to Paul George, and I don't think that Aaron Gordon ever forgot about that, and to his detriment has basically tried to play like Paul George when he should be playing like Sean Marion. Um, So... But then again, like also to 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 be fair to Aaron Gordon, like he's never had, like he I think he's had a different coach and a different offensive system in every one of his seasons as an NBA player. So, yeah. you know, he'll finally have he finally has some stability here with Steve Clifford. I mean, they made the playoffs this year, and he looked pretty good, I think, uh, throughout the season. So also spacing might help him a little bit spacing point guard play like a facilitate I think Marcus Smart's a pretty good facilitator Gordon Hayward's a really good facilitator like he's never had that type of talent around him so I think you would be seeing a different version of Aaron Gordon if he were in a Celtics uniform but making the money work on a trade there is pretty tricky
0: yeah you can the good news now for the Celtics is that you have Baines opted in mm-hmm. so that's like 5 million to play with And then if you do Jalen, then that's like 11. And then if you, you know, do the trade after the draft, but you draft for the Magic, then you can use those salaries to, for the the matching. So you wouldn't have to give up. You can make it work. Gordon's much easier to make work than like Holiday or someone like that, who's making about like $10 million more. Yeah. And would pretty much kind of gut your secondary pieces of your roster. Um, Right. But it is, that is definitely, I would not be shocked at all to see that name service. We haven't, you know, we've, I don't think we've heard anything on the Magic front in terms of what they're doing, but they have a very, very intriguing offseason as well, based on the fact they they obviously got to the playoffs, but Terrence Ross and Vucevic are free agents there, so um, how much they are, want to commit to a core that really isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, um, Mo Bamba had a
1: really bad rookie, too. Oh, yeah. Too. So. No question about that.
0: So I like that though. Those are two, two fascinating names that I'm sure like 50 other names, the Celtics have made calls all in the mm-hmm. last week. <laughs> um, the Celtics have also made calls about the number four overall pick in this year's draft, according to uh, draft express. Um, well, ESPN actually, now or ESPN now, excuse me. Yes. Um, and they are apparently have company with the the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Wolves, uh, with interest in uh, Vanderbilt point guard Darius Garland. We hear these rumors every year, Mike. I feel like a couple days before the draft about teams inquiring about a high draft pick. Um, this again feels like it would be a pretty big step towards the youth movement. Although you could just offer up the Memphis pick and want to cash in now. Um, What are your thoughts on that kind of maneuver? What are your thoughts on Garland as a potential point guard of the future?
1: I think it's pretty interesting and exciting. I mean, we were texting earlier about what a move, like a move up to the fourth pick would mean to Al Horford going back to that. And like, for me, I kind of think that he would be invigorated by it, uh, depending on what exactly you gave up. But, I mean, some really smart people, Mike Schmitz from ESPN has compared a lot of Darius Garland's game to Damian Lillard, and that's obviously really exciting. I mean, a, a, a guy who can operate in the pick and roll, obviously, and run an offense and has leadership qualities. But more importantly can bomb it away from 35 feet off the bounce like that is that's the kind of what everyone is still looking for in in a primary ball handler right now in the NBA along the lines of you know Steph and Trey Young and those kind of guys and Dame obviously so having a point guard like that I mean one of the more frustrating things about Kyrie was that he wouldn't take those shots even though he has the talent to do it um so that's 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 interesting, and I think that would fit with Tatum and some of the other pieces uh, who are young on the Celtics. But what are your thoughts? What do, you, what do you think about kind of bringing in a guy like that? Assuming that you know, are we, we're not even a hundred percent on them liking Garland, right? Or they just want the fourth pick, right? Technically,
0: yeah. I mean, that's true. They could be trying to wheel that into something else. Um, but it would make. I mean, you do look at the draft, and like there are some in the top 10, some elite, you know, point guards. And Garland is obviously on top of that list behind Morant. And so if you don't like your, you know, if, if guys like Holiday or, and, um, you know, Gordon and like more younger veterans are dead ends and you don't want to just let an asset potentially de- decline in value like the Memphis pick could. Right then this is a good I wouldn't mind cashing it at all if you think Garland is that guy. Because you might as well again you you could you you could use help in any form this year and a great point guard that can come in right away and play, like that's someone that obviously this team could use right away and that means it's not Terry Rosier at point guard. So that's like probably good for your worst team. nightmare, basically. No, I mean you can do <laughs> you can do better.
1: <laughs> um I think that maybe one other angle we should talk about is if the Celtics were to get the fourth pick that they would then flip it for that like then we're kind of going back into the conversation about Bradley Beal who has been tied to the Pelicans as they shop the fourth pick. So right. uh that's kind of where it would get a little interesting where I think if you I don't I mean Again, like, because of the money that Brad Beal makes, I I just don't know. Like, help me out here. Like, what, like, I don't, I don't really see it salary-wise unless... So, if you want to keep smart, which I assume the Celtics
0: would in this situation, um, how you would have to do it essentially is pretty much gut the bottom half of your roster with, like, you know, Time Lord and Yabu. And Shemmy, all all things that they'd be happy to do for Bradley Beal um, include Baines, include Jalen, and then you would use the salary of the draft pick, you know, fine him and then trade him thirty days later, like the the Kevin Love, you know, Wiggins deal. Um, so that that could work.
1: Like the it would, but then how do you get the fourth pick? Because Jalen would be in that deal, I would assume. Right? To get the fourth pick? Yeah, from New Orleans. I mean,
0: I wouldn't do Jalen and the Memphis pick for the fourth pick. I think that's...
1: Okay, so you're saying just salary say, for Brad Beal. Salary, the fourth pick, the Memphis pick, and maybe another draft exactly, exit.
0: Like, you can offer the Wizards, okay, do you want Jalen or do you want the fourth pick? Um, Like, what's your what's your preference there. And then if you can get Jalen to get the fourth pick, then then that's, that's the road you take essentially. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's, and then you, I would think you obviously have to throw in maybe a, a future pick or two um, of your own to, uh, or one from this current draft uh, to actually get the Wizards to go on board with that.
1: Yeah. It seems to me just my, what my, my, Gut is telling me is that they are content. They'll be aggressive as they typically are, the Celtics. But they're content with like not using all their draft picks (laughs) that they have and adding them to the team. But maybe being okay if they had to, if that makes any sense.
0: I mean, they want to. I think they want to offer that stance, Mm -hmm. but in reality they can't, I think they're going to be very much trying not to do that. Right, for sure. Like, they just, they've done that a lot. I mean, think about, like, three years ago when they had, like, the eight draft picks and they took six of them. Um, going into this draft with where this team's at, with the Horford situation looming over them, like, you have to make something happen. And whether it is the young guy at four, whether it is, you know, you know, moving around. So you're getting a guy you like a couple of the picks and then getting a veteran with one of them potentially. Um, I just think they can't, you know, the status quo is not going to, they, they almost have to give themselves an extra push here be like, listen, we, we don't want to panic, but we also can't be like, look for the quote unquote perfect deal, um, which may not be there because then that might just, you know, hurt them more than it helps.
1: Yeah, Um, I have something random going back to Al Horford that I wrote down last night really late, and I want to get it on the record on the pod, Please, and then I think we can uh, pivot towards more draft talk. Um, I think one team, there were reports that the Milwaukee Bucks were trying to unload salary with uh, Tony Snell and near San Ilyasova so they could carve out some cap space. And I was tinkering around trying to figure out what they could spend it on. And I I kind of feel like like Al Horford would be really perfect there as a Brook Lopez replacement. But what
0: kind of money can they open up there? I assume if, if they're bringing Middleton back,
1: they're not going to have space. Well, okay. But if he, I mean... They have... Wait one sec. I have this right. This is wonderful podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I. I... No, they. I I did it yesterday. I'm I'm gonna. Okay, so you get rid, you shed Miritich, um, cap holds for Miritich. All your uh, uh, free agents. You assume that. Um,
0: I mean, Brogden's got a low cap hold, so that helps on that front. But like. If you want to keep. Middleton, I'm not sure. The math works for you there.
1: <laughs> one second, I'm I'm, I, if you trade, okay. One second, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this because Middleton's cap hold is only 19.5. It's not massive because his contract is only that is true. So that thirteen helps mil, them. right? So maybe they can if they navigate. So I'm it. pretty sure if you time this right, that he could go there at a. Like I think they could get up to twenty five million, twenty-six. That's the number that I had yesterday. I'm almost done. I'm doing using Yeah, so they could get to twenty-seven with Brogdon's cap hold at three, Middleton's cap hold at nineteen point five, and then they get rid of every other free agent, renounce everyone else. And this is assuming that they don't take back any salary in trades that ship out Snell and Ilyasova. So they can get twenty-seven point three that can make them real. That can make them real dangerous. Then, yeah. So I just wanted to get that out there because there's the Bud Horford connection. There's, you know, he just saw them up close. I think that, you know, he's the type of player who would put them over the top in a lot of ways. like, like him paired with Giannis is just absolutely terrifying um for a lot of reasons and i i think that that should be i'm not saying that's definitely going to happen or even likely to happen but it so is, that's, it's a possibility that's dumping
0: snell and ilyasova correct yeah see the problem is they're gonna probably have trouble doing that um with they don't have any i think they've used most of their picks already
1: i think you I, yeah i mean there's some teams out there with cap space that are probably not going to spend it. I mean, I think the Kings are a really interesting dumping ground. You could attach DJ Wilson or D. Vincenzo. I mean, it's just... That's you true, could, do, do you have, could do something.
0: Yeah, you do have young talent you can attach to I mean, I don't know if they want to do that, but... Yeah. Wait, I wonder, what do you think Brook's going to get? Like, what do you think he's going to... He's going to obviously command more than mid-level money.
1: Well, how much cap space do the Lakers have?
0: It's all going to Brook. you right. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the dumb things they did... Like that might top the list in terms of where yeah, it was treasure They got back to, and what they could have just like, yeah, you could have just kept them the whole time, like or kept other. Useful I mean, veterans.
1: or even just imagine like Zubach as the five on that team. Like it's just it's hilarious, but oh well. It's um, to... All right, let's pivot towards the draft.
0: Do we have to? No. Okay.
1: Let's go. I well. We do because I crammed um, (laughs) as much as possible over the past 48 hours uh, trying to figure out which players are interesting and who would matter. I mean, the more research that I did, to be honest, um, there's just like in a typical year, I'm I'm more of a, you know, I'd rather risk it on someone who has high upside. That's typically my stance and like. With this Celtics team, there's so many talented players in this draft in this field who are two, three, four year college players. Um and, you know, watching the NBA finals and just the playoffs as a whole, like one of the big takeaways for me was just how important intelligence is and how mm-hmm. much we overlook it. And I think if you can bring in smart players in the draft who have shown that they know how to win, who shown who've had a lot of success accepting roles, which was a huge thing last year. Like I think that you can. I I think this could be a big draft for the Celtics. And again, I understand why they won't use all three picks, but like from where I'm sitting, if you did make the right choices, I feel like given the weird talent disparity between like five and 25 apparently which all the all the really smart people are saying like i feel like you could get some really important pieces right now
0: yeah i mean there there seem to be a lot of serviceable role guys in that range that either have good experience or just have played within that you know mindset with their college team so it's again not not a great, you know, not a lot of difference. And then you never know. Like, you, there's always, I mean, I guess if the field is so level from 5 to 25, then, like, yeah, it's not a great draft. But not the worst thing in the world to have three in those, um, in that range. So you can kind of do what you want and get the guys you want in them if you're going to keep those picks. So we decided we're just going to take a look at three guys we like in that range. Um, Mike, do you want to lead us off on that front for good fits for the seas?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think the number one player, we're just kind of doing this generally. We're not saying that the Celtics should take this guy at 14 and then the next pick is 20. We're just kind of saying who we really like in this, this area, as B-Rob just said. Um, I think my number one guy, honestly, is Ty Jerome. Uh, wow. out of Virginia yeah that's kind of it's kind of surprising but as 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 a, as a realistic guy who will be on the board most likely like again what I'm personally looking at right now is how important um, like intelligences steadiness Guys who can dribble, guys who can pass. This was one of the best pick-and-roll playmakers in in college basketball last year. And someone who can shoot. And this guy ranked in, I think, the 95th percentile as a spot-up three-point shooter last year. He has good size. He defends. And, like, if you were to even get someone who is a cross between, like, Fred Van Vliet and who, who Ty Jerome kind of reminds me of, and Luke Kennard. That's like a really quality piece for a team in Boston's like in Boston's life cycle right now who can play right away. Um, so I mean you're obviously positionally you're losing uh, Kyrie Irving and I'm not saying that Jerome will ever be like 75% as good as Kyrie from a talent perspective, but as a ball handler who can come in, who is I think a year older than Jason Tatum, like I, I I think it's a really smart smart play right here.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a name you might be able to trade down and still get him too, like, mm. and if you want to pick up another asset. Um, so yeah, he was in. We actually talked, talked to him. He was in Boston for a workout when there was media availability, and yeah, he just seemed like a pretty level-headed guy. And obviously, has the catch. And then you look at, you know, a pretty strong track record in recent years of getting quality guard talent at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round with, like, him and, obviously, Brogdon, um, Jalen right. Brunson, another guy last year. Just, like – so, I like that. Um, I'm going to start off a little higher in the range of – you know, you're probably not – you might have to take this guy at 14 to get him. But – um Alexander Walker out of Virginia Tech. Um, mm. Have watched watched a decent amount of him. He's 6'5", uh, swingman, sophomore, 20 years old. Um, just doesn't do anything crazy well, but just is very solid all-around player. He can shoot a bit. He doesn't have great burst, but he can finish when he gets to the basket. Um, average 17-4-4 four four, uh, at Virginia Tech in a, against a tough... ACC schedule last year two steals a game solid defender there it's probably not gonna you know best case scenario is he's probably gonna be like a you know respectable starter uh in the long game but I don't know I just think that's like the all-around solid wing coming off the bench could be a good fit um in Brad Steven's system
1: so I know you have like all of the uh three-point shooting numbers on this guy, I'm sure, because if he can't hit threes, then he's not even on your radar. No. <laughs> 37% from three-point range. So Okay, respectable. Respectable enough. Check. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's an interesting pick right there. And, uh, uh, like, again, speaking as someone who, you know, completely out of their depth when – they're talking about college basketball players. Like he's kind of popping up into a lot of really interesting conversations right now. And his game seems to be one that is just a really natural fit for where the league is headed. And I mean, it's, it's like if you are the Celtics and assuming that you keep Jalen and obviously keep Tatum, like Tatum is your, I mean, those are, those are kind of like your real core pieces. And so kind of the way that I would be looking at it is players who can make those guys better um, and, and, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Nick, Nick Eel? Yeah, Nikhil I believe it's Alexander Walker. Okay. We're going to call him Na <laughs> that one. Um, just like his, Na's ability to, uh, to compliment those guys and to, and to play alongside them and everything, uh, off ball, on ball, whatever it may be. I think that that seems like a pretty good fit. All right. Let's, um you got for number two. Uh, my next guy is, pro- I mean, is probably going to go higher in the draft than my first one, um, and that is Brandon Clark mm. from Gonzaga. And- Same guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and great, wonderful, great minds think alike. Um, and like, typically heading into a normal draft again, I would stay away from the stigma. Of, you know, the 23 year old, this guy is over two years older than datum, which is really funny. Um, and he can't shoot threes or he doesn't shoot threes. And those are, those are probably the two biggest red flags, but everything else is just like, he's really smart. He can defend multiple positions. He can switch. He can move his feet. He had like one of the highest PERs in college basketball history last year. I think it was like 37.3. Right. Uh, and he can finish, uh, around the basket and he has some of the best athleticism in college basketball in the draft. So I, I, I like him a lot. I think if he were to enter the league and be an impact player on the defensive end, that right away, the Celtics would have one of the better defenses in the league next year. Um, as they, they probably project to have anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I like him and, uh, I think if he's there at 14, I don't see why the Celtics wouldn't take him.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Celtics could just use an energy guy like this in the front court. Like, just with the, with the talent they have coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, just a guy who's, like, everywhere. And again, the, the shooting is what it is. But there are plenty of guys that can be bring a lot to the table without that. And there should be enough shooting still on this team where they can get away with having him on the floor um, with most units. So when you look at the rebounding, like, like the, the shot blocking, the athleticism, um, just a winning player, if you will. Um, this we is like those here. We like those here. Exactly. That's, that's podcast approved. Um, then yeah, I think if he, if he slides the 14, a situation where, um, he can bring to the table. Like it's nice to get a sure thing in a lot of those categories, even if, and again, having a, having someone who's a role guy, who's not going to be looking for their shots, who's going to be looking for everything else. I think this team is going to appreciate that a little more after last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you're not going to find the, like the talent, piece that is able to win a title lead you to a title in this draft most likely no just, so like just settle uh, settle may not be a very nice word but uh accept that you're not gonna get that and like look towards guys like clark who will make your basketball team better this guy averaged 3.2 blocks per game in 28 minutes last year i mean that's just it's just like ridiculous that's such a ridiculous number <laughs> would you move up to get him Yeah. um,
0: How high would you go? Assuming you would, you know, you could package one of
1: your other two picks to get up to, let's say. I don't know if I love him that much. I mean, if I like, I don't like. I don't know. I I I would assume he would be there at fourteen, but there's like so many from my you know cramming for this podcast it seems like there's a lot of guys who are like Brandon Clark like not maybe not as good but who have the same type of feel for the game who are like, play hard defensively are versatile defensively or strong um I like the, another name that I have that uh, is i think he's going late first in most mock drafts is grant williams out of tennessee he just mm-hmm. seems like a very similar player to that who's just got physical intangibles who can make reads with the ball in his hands um again doesn't really shoot threes but knows how to finish uh, so that's kind of like so that's why i wouldn't necessarily trade up for brandon clark because there's guys like grant williams out there that you can get in, in the 20s probably but but I like Brandon Clark. He seems like he's he would be a really good fit. All right. And that brings us to Wait, so you three. had Clark,
0: too? I had Clark, too. And so I'll go with my number three. And this mm-hmm. is a guy you can probably get a little bit later. Um, but I'm going to go with Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky, who is... A nineteen-year-old freshman, six-six, no swing man, can shoot a bit. This is more again. If you want to play a long game here, he is someone who, you know, has a lot of work to do in terms of on the defensive end, but has a nice mix of scoring, getting to the line, has the size you want um, on the wing, and is young enough where he could, you know, eventually pop into something else so that's someone who's probably going to be available more down towards the early 20s um
1: but that's uh that'd be my number three beer i was really upset because i predicted in my head that you were going to pick cameron johnson out of unc because i saw that he was the best three-point shooter in the draft and uh he's 23 years old too yeah (laughs) that's it is crazy how many old guys are in the draft, but I, I I think that that's a that's to the Celtics' benefit in a season like this. Yeah. I think, but um, they might need to come like again if they want to
0: stay in the more win now mode. Then you know, getting the guys that are ready to jump in right away, like, like you said, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um,
1: all right. Should I go with my? Yeah. Let's hear your number three. So I got I have a couple of names actually that uh, that I've been it's been really difficult to whittle them down to one, but. Assuming, for the purpose of this exercise, that the Celtics use all three of their picks, I'm going bull, bull. Oh wow! I'm gambling on the unicorn. Pass. I just, okay. Why? Defense. You can't keep him on the floor. He's only. I love that he's seven three and two hundred and eight pounds. That is. Uh, that is really hard to do. I gotta say. Um, but I mean, like. I don't know. I saw one clip of him that just like blew me away. He just grabs a rebound, or I think he pinned a, a layup off the glass, took it up the floor himself, and then pulled up for three with such fluidity that's just like completely unnatural for someone with those physical, uh, uh, the 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 length and the wingspan and everything. I mean, it's just he is. Like, if he didn't have the serious foot injury that ended his college season in Oregon, he would have been, what, like a top five pick? I mean, he's got that ridiculous talent that you just can't, it just doesn't grow on trees.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly there. And if you want to take a real big swing, um, some team's going to do it. Um, I don't know, I just worry it's, it's like Thon Maker Part 2 with um, a guy who has, you know, just the... The crazy length. Obviously, Bobo done more, you know, even when he, when he was healthy, his numbers look a lot more impressive than makers ever were. But I still just worry just in terms of what, you know, have drafting a guy that's probably going to be a huge liability on the defensive end and whether he'll be good enough to kind of overcome that on the other end of the floor.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's all fair. Um I guess the, like, the, I'll throw in my other, since that was shot down just so rudely. <laughs> no, but maybe, I mean, I don't think, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they swing for him. I mean, if you have three picks, like, right. I don't, why not? If you're going like, to
0: keep all three and he don't, if they keep all three and they don't take him on one, then that's disappointing. We'll say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does, it, it reminds me, it's like, Physically the opposite, but similar to when they had the twentieth and the twenty second and they took Fab Mello and Jared Sellinger. Talking about Jared Sellinger and just you know, he had the red uh the red flag medicals and right. everything, and that's why he dropped and they took him and you know, he was uh, you know, a whatever productive player for <laughs> his time in in Boston, I guess. Uh ended terribly, but um but yeah, so that, that kind of it reminds me of that situation where you have a bunch of picks and you might as well just use them on, on guys who are risky. So well, who was your other guy? Uh, Darius Basley, the guy mm. who uh, uh, did not play college basketball or any basketball this year, um, was going to go straight to the G League and then opted instead to have an internship with New Balance Courtesy of Rich Paul at Clutch, um, made a cool million dollars there. So uh, I, you know, I've, I know very little about him. I watched his pro day uh, that was put on by Clutch in California, not live. I watched it on YouTube, and um, I don't know. He looked cool. I don't know what, how much to take from things like that, but the fact that he, I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that that Clutch signed him. To be honest, that's like that's that's what's intriguing me the most here. To be like, the and then also you know he lived right around the Celtics practice facility, and I wouldn't surprise me if they had interest there because they got to know him uh, a teensy, 2 bit. Hmm. Yep, that's uh pretty close there to New Balance headquarters.
0: <laughs>
1: pretty close. Yeah. So I mean, it's this is one of those where like size wise. Like physical dimensions. Um, it just, this is the upside pick, I would say. He's 19. Like, I don't know. It w- again, this is kind of in the bull bull mentality, um, where if you have three picks and you're using them, might as well pick this dude who is going 29th in ESPN's mock draft to the San Antonio Spurs. So, trade down for
0: assets. Mm. Get the guy you want. <laughs> So, what where, where are the percentage odds the Celtics keep all three first-round picks?
1: Does this include if they use one of them or multiple of them on, like, stash people we've never heard of? Yes. I would say f- 55%. Wow.
0: I'm... <laughs> um, Did I blow you away? You blew me away. What's your I thought I was I'm going twenty five percent. I know that the the odds say you're right if you're fifty five percent, but I just think that they're gonna have a fire lit under their butt a little bit here and just you know, roll the dice a little more than usual because why not? Yeah, you need to change something. Maybe but or maybe this is You know they step back here, and well, I mean we'll have plenty of time to to dissect what has become the last uh, twelve months here. Later this summer on the Winning Place podcast, but uh, they could use they could just use something different. It hasn't been a good few weeks or a few. It's been months. rough for a lot it's of been, people. It's not, it's not not great. Um, I guess the good news is they're not really taking. It's funny they're taking much more heat nationally than locally, because locally people are just excited Kyrie is leaving. Um, <laughs> it's so weird. Which is which is it's just so uh, man. it's so crazy that we got to that and, but that is, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of fitting that that is that's the guy who kind of put them in the situation they're in. Um, before we wrap up, I'm gonna run through some quick. These are names, veteran names, that the Southerns could trade for on draft night with one of these picks and some salary filler. So, like, not big names, but kind of mid to, like, $10 million guys. So, stop me if you hear a name you like. Okay. Malik Monk. No. Luke Kennard. Yes. You give up 14 for him? I would okay. Uh, Avery Bradley.
1: (sighs) Avery Bradley. I. I, He should just go to the Lakers. (laughs) I I, I want the best for him. Honestly, Um, I don't think his career is over. As it's 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 like kind of seems uncertain at certain points last season, but uh, not in a Celtics uniform. I don't. I think that ship has sailed. Each one more.
0: Who is that? Each one coming home.
1: Mm, no, I, I no disrespect to each one. I like a lot of his game. I think, but um, I don't know. He just doesn't really move the needle for me. Will Barton? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I I really did not like. Didn't have the best in the, in the playoffs. No, it was it was really rough. I mean, Makes terrible. His shots. His. Yeah, the shot selection was just, if I was a Nuggets fan, I would be going absolutely ballistic watching that.
0: Put him and Terry together. You'll have fun covering it. Right? Um, Dario Sarge. Oh. um... The thinking there is he's going to, it's like Jalen's situation. He's going to have to need a new contract next year, and Minnesota probably can't pay it with all the money they got tied up. So they sell, you know, they get, get something, cash in for something new.
1: No, I I, I like Dario. That's interesting. It's really funny because I was actually going to bring up Covington. Um, yeah, sure. Who I think is in this price range, right?
0: Yeah. I, I assume they want to keep him, but that's definitely referring you know, we're bringing up. Because they're um, probably in the, you know, they might be in the... Ad- I don't know what mode they're in out there, but yeah, rid of. They're really, they're well. in a, re- yeah,
1: they're in a really weird situation. I mean, if I were an NBA GM, I would be monitoring Carl Anthony Towns like daily. Oh yeah, but they. I mean, he's not. I feel
0: like he's not going anywhere. For like, he's under contract to twenty twenty four. The guy you just took the job. You're gonna shop your franchise player.
1: No, 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 no not yet. But. Wait like, till he gets upset. When they don't make the playoffs this year, wait, we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, that's all I'm gonna say.
0: Yeah. I think like twenty twenty one might be the checkpoint there, unfortunately, for the they, Celtics. They they
1: they don't make the playoffs. They fire Saunders. He gets pissed off. That's what I I, I foresee as a realistic possibility. That's
0: all are gonna be hoping. Mm-hmm. Um all right, a couple more here. Uh Mo Harkless.
1: No. TJ Warren. Yes, I'm a big fan of TJ Warren. I want to see him in a winning situation,
0: making 100. I mean, making 11 million dollars under contract, a couple more years. Suns. I don't know if they would make sense for them to trade him for another mid-first round pick, but um, they're apparently shopping him around. So maybe they just want him out of there. Mm. Josh Jackson also available. Absolutely not. <laughs> Make him fly across the country to <laughs> for a meeting, and then pull out of the trade, perhaps for the press conference. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, a couple Myers Leonard. No, no, I think, hey, I think we're, he we're, we're done. We're peaked. He and peaked then you at have the like of you a couple of salary dumps. Him like exum guys that you could maybe pick up an asset for. Okay, but we're yeah. done. Unless you like good. Kyle Korver.
1: No, I think we're done.
0: Okay. All right. So Mike wants to trade for T J Warren and Luke Kennard <laughs> and maybe Covington on draft night. I do I think that would be a fun little wrinkle there to get one of these guys without you know, you're not gonna have much to spend in free agency. So you this is a, a decent chance to to get a useful bench piece. Um, or maybe more than that, uh with one of these picks and then some filler
1: salary. I think Kennard can be really good. I I've been on that bandwagon for a while and uh, whenever he, he I feel like he he hasn't really had a coach who believes in him. I think he's I think he's a really smart offensive player and uh, obviously can well, he can facilitate it in a pick and roll situation. He can Take his man off the bounce and he can shoot. I mean, that's just that's what you want. You're saying
0: Reggie Jackson hasn't gotten the best out of him?
1: No, Reggie wasn't <laughs> able to squeeze the talent out of Kennard, unfortunately, for some reason. <laughs> well, it'll be
0: interesting to see what a team like the Pistons are up to if they are you know, even thinking about moving a young piece like that, but we are less than or just over 48 hours away from the NBA draft. We will be back with you guys on Friday to wrap up what should be a very eventful night for the Celtics or not. If Michael Pina's odds come true, we'll see. Um, Rich will be back from assignment at that point, hopefully as well with uh, after attending some, some workouts on the West coast and should be a really fun night. Closing thoughts, Mike?
1: Uh, no, I think the, the draft will be pretty crazy, and hopefully things turn out for the better um, for Boston than the previous two weeks were, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be fun, though.
0: It'll be fun. Could be a fork in the road for the next few years here. So we will find out on Thursday night. Thanks for listening, and we will get back. See you guys on Friday.